Society is shifting in unpredictable ways with AI. But ambiguity also breeds possibility for those who plan with care, creativity, and optimism. Today, my guest Dan Fitzpatrick shares ways schools can ready students to flourish in an ambiguous future. Hi everyone, it's Shane Leaning. Welcome back to Global Ed Leaders, a podcast about education across countries and cultures. I'm an international school leadership coach, and in this show, I learn with the teachers, leaders, and innovators making a difference around the world. Today's episode is part two of an interview with Dan Fitzpatrick. If you haven't listened to the last episode, I suggest you start there. We'll be here when you get back. Dan is one of the foremost experts on artificial intelligence in education, known as the AI educator online. In this part of the interview, we picked up talking about why we can't wait around to see what happens with AI. We have to act now. It's interesting because I do hear a lot of people thinking, well, actually, let's just give it a year. Let's see what happens with AI. Let's uh, people who are in that camp. And the reason why I mentioned the the competition and the other companies who are who are building educational um, platforms and and schools is because they're not waiting a year. They're they're literally releasing AI tutors as we speak. Go to the Synthesis website and they've just released their their AI tutor. So they're not waiting. So we I don't think we can afford to wait. So the three box solution. Box one. It's what you're doing now. So it's your systems, your processes, however your school, your educational organization runs, that's your box one. It's, it's, it's what's referred to as the performance engine. It's what's getting you results right now. And you might be a very successful school or you might be on your way to being a successful school. But whatever you're doing, when you get out of bed in the morning and go into school, whatever, whatever you're doing, that's your box one. Now, innovation can happen in box one and indeed most of what we call innovation is box one innovation and that is essentially optimizing the current system so how do we make this system better how do we make it more efficient how do and 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 goodness knows we need it um we talked earlier about the pressures that are on schools resources time staff money we need to really innovate in box one and, and and optimize it for those reasons However, that's what we call linear innovation. If you think about it, innovating within box one, within your current process systems objectives, you're never going to go beyond those systems and processes because it's just essentially making those systems and the processes more efficient. So although it's very much needed, it's not the whole picture. And before I go on to to nonlinear innovation, the reason I, I, I use the strategy is because I very much think that artificial intelligence can offer so much linear innovation can it really help optimize the current system and i think that's what a lot of a lot of schools are exploring at the moment however part of what i do is i i work with school leaders say right let's let's do the linear innovation but actually there's something else here there's something else that we need to focus on and that is and i'm aware i'm skipping box two here but i'll come back to it in a second so if we go to box three Box three is where we go to to explore weak signals. And what I mean by weak signals is what's coming down the line? What can we what can we hear? What kind of signals are we getting that could disrupt 
our current performance engine that could disrupt our box one next year, five years time, 10 years time. And if we were having this conversation, Shane, five years ago, we probably would have, if if we were to try and come up with some examples of what could disrupt our box one, we might have said generative AI, because although a lot of people only started hearing about it in the last few months, OpenAI, the company who created ChatGPT, were writing articles and papers with their intentions, with what they were starting to do back five years ago. So if we had a, a box three, let's say a box three incubator group within our organization, they might have come across that and thought and said, you know what, this this AI technology that looks like it could just be a few years away could could disrupt. Should we start preparing for it? Should we start exploring it? So that's what it is really. It's a it's a it's a group that starts to do research and starts to but but it's so much more than that. Um it, it then starts to experiment. It then starts to scale if it's actually if it's something that is having an impact and something that realistically through discernment of leadership is going to change what we're doing. And to be fair, a lot of schools have, do, have, have done some of this in the past. So virtual reality, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of schools, especially international schools as well. A lot of the, a lot of um, examples come from international schools where, where over the last few years now, some schools have been really putting a lot of resources into virtual reality and, and exploring how it can impact um, learning and seeing where that'll go some of it some of it's failed but that's the nature of innovation you've got to be prepared for for probably most of it to to not go anywhere but the the value of it comes when when some of it does go somewhere and some of it does start to pay off so you've got box one box three is non-linear innovation and the reason it's non-linear innovation and it's different to box one innovation is because instead of making the current system more efficient box three innovation could actually change the system altogether and actually a good leader holds in balance box one and box three at the same time, because you would be naive to jump to box three straight away because then your current system would fail and then the school would be shut down. If it's not performing day to day, it's not going to work. And you'd also actually be naive to stay with box one, um, which is, which sounds funny to say, because that's where most of most education is. It, I, I think as an education system, and I'm speaking very broadly here, We've done very little box three, and I think probably the majority of the system has done done no box three thinking. And not only have we stayed in box one, but we've actually put a lid on box one and hunkered down even further in recent years in box one. COVID kind of give us a shake, maybe took the lid back off a little bit, but actually a lot of what we're doing in COVID, let's be honest, was linear innovation. It was box one innovation, stick in a classroom in a video call. I mean, it isn't. I mean, we could argue it isn't even innovation because it's not even making. The current system more efficient. <laughs> we all patted us. I, mean, I was one. Of, I was working in a high school at the time, and I moved the whole school online. And we all patted ourselves on the back and said, "Lord, a great job we did." I was I was being interviewed on local BBC radio because we were because we were seen as really innovative. But actually, looking back, I, I'd go so far, and I'm speaking about myself here, it's to say that ah, it wasn't innovation. It was. It really wasn't innovation. Sticking a classroom in a video call is technology that's been around since the 1920s. Okay. <laughs> Firefighting more. Yeah, yeah. So so I think we've got it we've got a long way to go, but it's but it was a first step, I think. It was a first step to actually changing and starting to think actually there might be more here. And by the way, the box three stuff, the weak signals isn't just about technology. I know we're talking about AI, so we're naturally talking about technology. It could be government policy coming down the line. It could be a lot of independent schools in the UK at the moment um will have to get to grips with the fact that Labour will probably be the new government. 
and they've said that they're going to scrap the tax-free exemption for those for independent schools. So a lot of a lot of independent schools will will actually probably have a foot and box for them in it and be thinking about what do they do once that they their their charges are twenty percent more or whatever it is. So it's not just technology; it it could be anything that disrupts us and. And to be honest, welcome to the welcome to the free market. <laughs> that's 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 how businesses function. It's how it's how businesses work, and and we're really the the, the protective layers that have kept us away from competition um, have already fallen, and and we we now need to adapt to that way of thinking. And I think just like companies competing to to bring out the latest products means that the consumers get a better product. If there was no competition with mobile phones, for example, would would still be on the Nokia brick phones, wouldn't we? Like, and that, but competition means that companies strive to get better and better and better at the product that they produce for their consumers. And I think one of the good things about this would be that companies get better and better and better at, at trying to make a better education programs that are more relevant to students in the world. So I think I think ultimately our students will benefit from this, but. Some some of your listeners might be thinking that's a hopeful view and maybe a naive view and maybe it is, but I am hopeful. Well, it's funny, Dan, because I think, yeah, there's definitely a narrative you could take to go, oh my goodness, this is terrifying that education's now under threat from this outside force that we've been protected from for so long, this this kind of the the commercial free market force. So, oh, oh gosh, you know, we're worried that they're going to take over education. But the other side, which I think is a much more optimistic side of of saying, well, let's, you know, continue to optimize from box one what we do, but you need to just, you know, it's a good thing. It's a good thing to be thinking about your true innovation and to be experimenting with these new things and thinking strategically into the future, because that way as an industry, as you, as you called it, or as a or as a social enterprise, a group of educators, we get to then be at the front of that innovation. And in reality, the, what I'm thinking is there's no reason why educators can't be, because if if educators actually did get to the front of this conversations, the tech companies can't drive the narrative because it's already being had by the people most knowledgeable in the field. It's kind of quite exciting, actually. Yeah, and, and I think they're probably a happy medium in all of this. And maybe maybe this is where it the the ground will lie and, and to be to be to be honest we kind of have this in a way at the moment anyway is that we'll have some substantial education from a government level a, a, a an educational um system level kind of what we have today but then we also have supplementary education as well and if you think about it a lot of a lot of our young people are doing that anyway they come to school but they do so much and i think we sometimes forget this as educators that we aren't the the sole bearers of of the education that that our young people get, uh, they get so much from places like YouTube. They get so much from from the educational games they play. They their their collaboration with peers with other people. They they learn so much from other sources anyway. So why not have those other sources be really focused organizations or or online platforms that that really allow them to build the skills and. And to be honest, good on them. Like the World Economic Forum has been has been trying to get the the message through to education systems for for a few years now that actually the skills sk- the skills that we need to be teaching young people um, have changed, and we need to get we need to get to grips with that. 
And most of the education system has just turned a blind eye at it. So the fact that and the fact that a private organization now has to come in and go, you know what, we're going to offer a solution for that. Like maybe if the education system had been more agile in the first place, maybe that wouldn't be happening. Maybe there wouldn't be a need for it within the within the free market, quote unquote. I think at, at the end of the day, it's it's what's best for our young people. And and like I said before, I'm I really think what's what kind of is best is that we we form value creators, people who can go out and, and offer value to to the world that they encompass. And if we're not doing that, and somebody else has to step in and do that for us, then go for it. Because we're not doing what we're supposed to do. Um, and my way I'm speaking very broadly there, and there's some amazing schools around the world, don't get me wrong, there's some fantastic organisations and schools who, who are doing a really good job of this, and some amazing leaders who are driving change um, and I, and I, I'm lucky I get to speak to them on a weekly basis. They're, they're amazing. Um, and, and I think for that reason, I can't be quite harsh on the rest of the system, but it's only because I wanted to do well. I wanted to wake up. I wanted, I wanted to, to, to provide the opportunities and the experiences that are, that our young people need. Thanks, Dan. And this, this conversation has just been so useful for me, even though we've not talked too much about, too much about AI specifically. <laughs> It's important because this is this concept of thinking about our innovation and thinking about how we remain innovative and, and future ready is so important. So if I'm an international school leader now and I'm going, okay, okay, I hear you, Dan. I need to be thinking about setting up some kind of maybe, maybe some working groups or something like that within my school to start thinking about the future. Are there any best bets of places you think uh, a good places to start, especially with the conversation around AI. Oh, yeah, hundred percent. So a lot of my work is that's that's what I do. Really, I if I'm in a school or a university or a college, and I go in and I tend to do some kind of some kind of keynote, some kind of hands on box one how to use AI to to save time and so on with with the teachers. But then I always try to have some time with the leadership team um, and and actually go through present the the three box solution and then actually spend some time on box three box one most places have got sorted anyway they don't need me to come in and tell them how to make their current systems more efficient it's the it's the horizon it's the it's the box three stuff i think people can think and i think that's probably one of the reasons why people don't delve into box three that often is that it seems very ethereal it seems very kind of something in the future and distant and mm. but actually it's 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 not because in order for us to lead in that future, we need to strategize today. So it's a very practical, Box 3 is very practical, and it's it's something that can actually be addressed today. So what I do is I work with leadership teams to to go, right, well, how do we practically strategize for what we're going for for tomorrow so that so that the leaders in the room can be leaders tomorrow and can be leaders in five years' time and and can adapt to be to be leaders because to obviously, like I said before, to stay to stay stagnant as a leader or an organization does not equal leadership tomorrow because it's a different context. It's a different world tomorrow. So how do we continue to adapt? And it has to be, and it's, and it's, it's a hard truth because like I've said, resources, staff and money time is, is, is a difficult ask for a lot of educational organizations, but we have to dedicate some of what we've got to box three actions a lot of it will come down to culture but that culture has to be seeded somewhere 
and it could be an incubator group. It could be a group that actually works. And I think this is probably the key bit. And in my book, the AI classroom, I, I talk about the, 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 the values of a, of a leader in the AI era. And one of the main values that I really focus on, because I think it's probably the most vitally important is collaboration. And I think any school or any organization out there who's thinking of spending some time focusing on box three, first thing they need to do is realize that you can't do it alone. And the the days of trying to do it alone in a school or a university or a college are gone. And and let's be honest, if we, if if the competition is going to come from private industries, why not why not work together um within the the the, your sector to to try and make it better and make it because what's the phrase the horizon was it the horizon water lifts all ships something like that um i've totally killed that that quote <laughs> uh, <laughs> i get you um so we we need to we need to make the system better so we need to come together and i think i think this this whatever this incubator groups looks like and it has to be it has to be bespoke I, I can't the reason why i work with leadership teams to to do this is because i can't come in with a fully complete instruction guide for how to how to build the the lego box three group um and, and tell you give you the, the step-by-step guide you have to and it's one of the reasons why i really um inbuild uh, design thinking into that process as well because the leadership team have to have to um have to design it themselves really and it's going well what what do we what what can work within our context but i think a big part of that is is the cl- the external collaboration so i think if you're in a primary school or a prep school you need to be collaborating with with a high school you need to be collaborating with the people from universities you need to be collaborating with local industries you need to be collaborating with local government officials and you need to be sat around a table and learning from each other because that's that's how we're going to grow within this within this and that that this could be a separate group from from your internal box three group that then feeds back to your internal box three group but the ai and i suppose we're in a position and the reason why we can collaborate with so many different sectors is because ai is not just affecting education it's affecting it's affecting government it's affecting local industries it's affecting other educational sectors so coming together and learning from each other uh, because it's going to, I think the thing about AI and the, the type of AI we've got at the moment is that it's not just here and that's it. We're, we're literally on day one. We're on, we're at 1997 internet times where it might seem like this is it. We've got the internet now, like it did in 1997, but boy, were we wrong <laughs> and how much it's advanced since. And the same is going to happen with AI. And the thing is with artificial intelligence, it's going to happen a lot faster. We're going to see we're going to see the the change happen so fast. So we need to work with our colleagues in other sectors, and then we need to we need to say well well actually, if 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 it does, I mean we to be honest, it doesn't take much. You just have to do a bit of research, a bit of reading, get yourself on Twitter or X, whatever it's called now, for for a little bit of time, and you'll see what companies are working on. You can see what the AI we've got at the minute is going to look like next year. You can even get glimpses of what it's going to look like in five years' time um, because people are working on this right now and, and the people who are creating the AI systems are telling you, are telling government because they're, they're wanting regulation what this is going to be like. So how do you start planning for that? Because the idea is you do want to move eventually from box one to box three. Yeah. 
if box three is just going to be navel gazing and thinking, oh, what does the future hold? You're never going to get there. That's why that's why I really emphasize the fact that box three is just as practical as box one, because eventually it's going to be the new the new home you move into. So you, so you need to prepare it well. So it, it's going, well, what's out there? What what What's going to be best spending our time on? Now, that's why the collaboration is going to really come become powerful, because if all of these other sectors that you're working with have each got their own box three group, for example, then they could be looking at, at one thing. You could be looking at another thing. You could bring your research together. You could bring your findings together. Um, that creates a, a larger whole, a larger context for the changes that you want to make. And it could be, it could be something as simple as to give it, to give an, a, an on the ground example, it could be something as, as, as simple as we realize that AI tutors are going to be a big thing in the next few years. And, and although they might not be perfect at the minute, they're, they're helping a lot of people. I've got a friend who's, his daughter's just won a maths competition because he trained ChatGPT to be a math tutor for her. Like she's, it, the, what we've got at the minute is amazing, but what we're, what, what's going to be developed there is going to be huge. So how's that going to benefit our, our organization, our school? Well, it could free up our teachers to, to work on the application of knowledge, to work on the real world problems solving side of that knowledge, to work on the more human side of the formation of our students and the character building and the, the traditional soft skills and so on. There's a lot of benefits there. You need to know those benefits because in order to, to, to start doing some work on something like an AI tutor, you need to be convinced that it's going to bring you uh, value. So once you've done that, and by the way, I have a system that, that goes through all of this. It's like, um, in fact, it's, it's my next book. Um, so it's, it's, it's a system that takes leaders through this, these stages. And then you have to start thinking, well, how do we create something like that? Is there something already in the market we can purchase? And the answer is probably going to be yes and no. It's probably going to be yes, but it's not going to be amazing. So how, do, how could we create something like that? Well, you know what? This, this collaborative group that we formed, we've got people from the local university who actually create things, who, who have an AI research department and create things. Why could we partner with them? And then to make it worthwhile, the primary school and the, the local college also partner with them. So do you, so it's about pulling those resources together. The government official on that board can maybe source some funding from, from local government. They, so it's about working together and going, how do we produce something? How do we work together to, to make things a reality rather than just thinking, oh, AI is going to be big and I'll just sit back and let an ed tech company create an AI tutor for me. And they probably will. Let's, let's be fair, they're, they're working on it as well. They probably will. But I think one of the, the most important things in this whole process is, is that the, the school staff, the school faculty on the ground, their intent needs to be, to be driving this. And, and one way to do that is to, is to drive it yourself. And, and why not on that board where you've got a government official and, and so on, why not have somebody, a representative from the ed tech companies that you use so that they can be in the conversation as well and they can go, you know what, we'll help you develop that, we'll help you as well, we'll bring our expertise together. And a, and a, a good friend of mine, he actually contributed to, to the book, is a guy called David Price. Uh, and David Price... Uh, wrote a book a few years ago called um, Open, How We Live, Learn, and Work in the, in the Future. Amazing, amazing book. 
And he, he wrote one actually over COVID called The Power of Us, where he actually explores some of these ideas about how actually when we were in crisis mode during COVID, it was actually the communities, it was actually the, it was the local collaborations that made most of the difference. And he, and he cites examples, you know, like, for example, when the government were, were, were trying to get PPE and, and, and we were wait, having to wait months for it at one stage. And you had literally local schools and communities coming together and using their 3D printers and actually creating visors and sending them to care homes and, and actually plugging the gaps and actually just doing it themselves. Um, you had one of the, one of the, the biggest, um, detectors for, for COVID uh, was actually created by a college student in America, just him and his mates creating it. It wasn't a government. And then the government bought it off him, I think, in the end. So it was it was actually, the whole point of his book is in these times, um, it's about it's about what we can do as a, as a community in collaboration with each other. And I think, I don't think we've realised, but we're in a, a state of change now, which is probably comparable to what was happening in COVID. But actually, COVID had an end date. COVID was always going to end. Whatever changes we brought in, whatever we did, innovations in inverted commas, um, based on what we talked about before, whatever we would, whatever we changes we brought into school, we always knew there would be a day, probably quite soon within the next few months, where we would then just go back to normal. And it was people like me going banging the my desk, going, "Let's not return to normal. Let's keep yeah. pushing the innovation." Uh, but but I I think I predicted it very early on. We that most schools would just return back to normal and 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 breathe a sigh of relief when they did as well. Um, and probably rightfully in, in in a lot of cases. But I think with AI, there isn't going to be a day in a few months where we go, oh, AI's passed. Let's just get back to normal. It's it's gonna like 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 we've been saying. It's it's gonna get more and more advanced to the point where. And I don't like talking about this too much because a lot of it's just pure speculation. But some of the people who are working on this technology are saying by the end of this decade, we, the level of advanced AI we will have will be, will be society changing. And, and not, not to mention when we get to the next few decades, there's a, a Google engineer called Ray Kurtzfeld who wrote a book called The Singularity in 2006 where he talks about the singularity happening in, in the mid-40s of this of this century where essentially all all ai will surpass the the intelligence of of humanity um and we'll, Dan, we'll... stop you're scaring me <laughs> no but i i think i think i don't like to go into this too much but i think i think it, i think it's important for for those leaders out there who might be listening to this who are still thinking oh, just give it a few years we'll take our time with it well i see the value in that i completely see the value in that in fact i've produced a 12 month seven seven step strategy of how to ease yourself into this type of innovation which you can find on my social media but we can't we can't tiptoe for too long we're going to have to come together and we're going to have to we're going to have to change our systems eventually because the technology we're going to have available is going to be phenomenal it's as it, Arthur C Clarke said um the the sign of any advanced technology is that it's indistinguishable from magic. Um, we're <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna get to that point. And and what does that mean for education? What does that mean for how we learn? Because it, I think that's probably going to be one of the areas where it has the biggest implications and the biggest disruption. Sam, my 
big takeaway from this is that we need to be talking to each other. We need to be having these conversations within our school and outside of our school because AI is not just within it, is not just changing education. It's changing the way society runs and it's changing how business runs. It's changing how politics work. And it doesn't have to be this scary thing if we're actively having a conversation about what those potential futures look like and planning towards that. And and luckily, we've got people in the world like you, Dan, who are releasing information to keep us up to date. You know, your newsletter, you talk about different strategies, different things that leaders can be thinking about in their school, different things that teachers can be thinking about with bringing AI. Are there any other places that you would direct people to start looking, to start finding more information to direct the conversations? I think, I mean, I would say this, but first of all, the book, The AI Classroom, The Ultimate Guide to Artificial Intelligence and Education, um, which I authored, came out the end of March. We called it The Ultimate Guide to Artificial Intelligence and Education, not because it not because of some egotistical thing or where we thought this was literally all, all you're going to ever need. It was more because it, right now it, it kind of covers the gambit of, of, of lots of different areas within schools. So it starts off with kind of the, where, what is this technology? Where's it going to go? I mentioned Ray Kurtzfeld and the singularity just to kind of, just to kind of make people think actually some change is coming here and this technology is powerful. And then we delve into well, what does an educator look like in this new era? Um, what are they? What what will an educator be, need to do? It, it becomes very practical. It's a very practical book. And then we go, we even get we even go down into even more practical of well, what does how do you communicate with AI? And it, which is the, generally called prompting. How do you prompt AI? How do you write questions and requests for it? And we we offer models and frameworks for how to do that. So you, we're big big believer in the quality of the input it dictates the quality of the output so how do you how do you get that quality of the input uh, really really focused and 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 specific um and by the way i think teachers probably more than any other profession are are in a position to be able to do that they because asking good questions to elicit certain responses is our bread and butter as teachers and it's the same with with ai so we just give some frameworks and to to help teachers with that and then it goes into kind of chapters of 40 different prompts that teachers can ask anything using using our frameworks to get, get to prepare lesson plans and all the way to creating a risk assessment for a school trip and everything in between. And then we look into leadership or what does a leader need to be in this new era and and what are the qualities and values of, of that type of leader. And and we go into there's a chapter on emotional intelligence. How do we how do we look at emotional intelligence with artificial intelligence? Uh, there's tools. There's there's so much in this. That's why we called it the the ultimate guide. Um, it's a starting point. It's a real it's a real immersion in in the whole kind of generative AI field within education at the moment. It's about 400 pages long as well, so it's it's quite substantial. But if you want to just immerse yourself into where to get started, and then from there, I think you, I think we have to move very quickly from just thinking and talking about this and actually start looking at action. And there's some amazing schools and universities that I've worked with around the world who are just going straight into it and going, right, let's get our staff together. Let's show them some of these prompts, guides. Let's give them some of these methodologies, get them playing with it. And let, and then let's discover the next steps from there. I think that's quite admirable to jump straight into action. Um, if if you want another sources, it's really difficult not to self-promote in these moments because I've got, there's, if you go, to the, AI edu- if you go to the aieducator.io, there's a, there's a three hour course there. Uh, which kind of delves deeper into how to use this technology for the best as teachers. Um, it's not technical, neither. I try to keep 
technical stuff out of it so that any teacher can understand it and start using it. Google have got AI courses, free courses now. Microsoft within their uh, Learn platform have got an AI module that you can you can go. So if you're a Microsoft user, you might want to look at the Microsoft one and Google user, you might want to look at the Google one. And then start talking, join the conversation. Uh, we've got a, a Facebook group called the AI Classroom. If you're on Facebook, just type it in. We've I think we've just hit 22,000 uh, members, teachers from all over the world sharing concerns, sharing ideas, sharing resources, um, sharing news. Uh, it's just a it's a great community to be in, really. Um, our teachers need to learn how to use it, and our leaders need to start thinking about the strategy going forward. And like I said before, I've released that a seventh stage for the next 12 months, this new academic year, how does a school, university, college get themselves to a point where they can start doing the, the non-linear innovation? And it's a seven-step process, which is, again, very practical. It's kind of putting out some of the fires. How do we address assessment when students can use ChatGPT? How do we start staff training? Are our IT services up to date on what AI is and the latest? And, and so on, the seven, the seven steps there, including data privacy. I know that's it's on a mind, the minds of a lot of leaders at the moment, so it addresses that as well. And also, if you're just wanting to play, I've got a, a website called aieducator.tools where there's over 100 tried and tested tools that are delivering value to educators on there, um, all with AI built into them. I've put the privacy policies are in there. The, there's guides in there. You just click on them and, and have a go at them. So if you've never tried it, open a ChatGPT account, a Google Bard account, stop having a play of it, and then, and then go from there. Thank you so much, Dan. And I will link to all those resources you mentioned in the show notes so that listeners can can get straight to it. But I just want to say thank you so much um, for this conversation. It's uh, It got me a bit hot and sweaty at times, but I think it's so important. <laughs> and I'm really grateful to have had this time with you. Thanks, Shane. I really appreciate it. In today's far-ranging discussion, Dan shed light on the evolving AI landscape for schools. With some diving in while others wait and see, it's clear we're all a little unsettled and private industry's growing influence raises big questions. Dan pushes schools to meet the moment with agility and double down on cultivating skills for the future. And we should keep an eye on that future, creating communities of practice that start to envision how AI might interact with education in years to come. I'm still left with so many questions, but I guess that's Dan's point. We need to keep asking. Global Ed Leaders is hosted and produced by me, Shane Lee. Original music by Guillermo Silva. If you like this show, you'll love my newsletter with reflections on the latest episode and leadership advice. Subscribe on my website, shaneleaning.com. And if you are online, reach out and share your journey. You'll find me on Twitter using my handle at LeaningShane or LinkedIn using the links in the show notes. But if we don't speak before, I'll see you here next week. <laughs>